Dun da 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 Bum. Nothing but Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars all of the time. This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, or today, the I Read Star Wars Comic Books podcast. Uh, I am Kara Shamborski here with Brian Murray. Hi. And we are here for nine episodes of all Star Wars comics all the time. How are you feeling about this, Brian? I'm feeling so good about this, especially after that intro that I did not know was coming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Readers, you and I got to experience that in the same way. Um, So we're, Brian and I, like, we're all fans of Star Wars on the I Read Comic Books podcast, but Brian and I are the people who will just never shut up about it. Mm -hmm. And so we have somewhat recklessly committed to doing nine episodes in celebration of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker in theaters this Christmas, or actually this December 20th. And I got pissed when I realized that because I was all set to fly home for Christmas and then watch the movie. But then they're like, no, actually, it's out on the 20th, Kara, the day you're going to look at tickets to fly home. So you better get a fan preview for the previous evening or you're not going to see it for a week. And I was like, ah, anyway. So Star Wars feels and uh, we're going to kick off our I Read Star Wars Comic Books Podcast, Episode 1, with a look at one of the most fundamental relationships in the Star Wars canon. I am, of course, talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. And we should say that there are going to be just mad spoilers. Spoilers for everything. <clears throat> like, there's, we're, we're not going to be dicks about it, but we're probably going to spoil anything and everything. So, you know, if you're not like... Uh, not up on it or if you don't care then uh i don't know you've been warned that's that's your warning you've been warned so uh the interesting thing since uh disney acquired star wars in 2009 i want to say was um all the content that they're creating now is considered canon for the same universe as the movies. So as comic book readers, that gives us extra insight into this world of Star Wars, knowing that instead of just being like, I guess, bonus stories, like the comics sort of used to be considered in the extended universe, or whatever they call it, legends now or whatever. Mm -hmm. But all the new comics are considered like, yes, you can accept that this happened in the same universe as the movies, which is great because today we're talking about the comic book Obi-Wan and Anakin, which is one of the first Star Wars miniseries that Marvel produced under Disney's ownership. So, Brian, what did you think while reading this book? Uh, I mean, first impressions. Um, I love this book. Um, I mean, you're going to hear that from me a lot as we go through this series. Or let's um, just say, I love Star Wars. Let's go on. <laughs> yes. Um, the the thread about Anakin considering leaving the Jedi Order was fascinating to me. Because you can really go down that rabbit hole of like, what if? So for our listeners who have not read this comic and don't care, very briefly, this book takes place when Anakin is, ooh, would we say early teens? Yeah, I'd call him like 12 or 13. 
Yeah, and so he goes on a mission with Obi-Wan to this pretty inhospitable planet. And interspersed with their mission of the moment is sort of a flashback to a couple weeks prior where Anakin had this big moment where he said, I don't know if I actually want to be a Jedi and has an interaction with uh, Palpatine that kind of threads throughout the book. And uh, for me, it was just a a really interesting uh, storyline to look at. Um, Before we started recording, I was briefly telling you how one of the big, let's call it a conundrum of the movies is that in one of many and no one hates star wars more than star wars fans <laughs> um, in star wars a new hope episode four obi-wan kenobi is talking to luke skywalker about anakin skywalker and he says the line he was a good friend now granted this is before the moment when george lucas decided mm, anakin and vader are going to be the same person but We still have to accept it as canon. So watching the prequels can be kind of a jarring experience because episodes one, two, and three, you don't really get so much friendship vibes from Anakin as Obi-Wan as you do like contentious, like kind of like a simmering resentment on both of their sides. At best, definitely like a Laurel and Hardy sort of (laughs) like where Obi-Wan is the long suffering straight man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think I would have come away from those movies and been like, yep, best friends, best <laughs> friends. <laughs> and, and in the films, you do see sort of, you know, Anakin's constantly talking about how Obi-Wan won't let him, like, try new stuff and use his full power and he never listens to me and blah, blah, blah. And Obi-Wan's very like, oh, this kid, like, I'm trying so hard and just, I I mean, I told, I told Qui-Gon I'd, I'd take care of him, so here we are. But, uh, but so I've this... had a headache for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, maybe not so much with the friendship, but I thought that the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic did an interesting job of addressing this kind of weirdness that we do see in the prequels because, you know, Obi-Wan kind of does... Again, right? It, it feels like you can't have an Obi-Wan and Anakin story without Obi-Wan being like, well, I told Qui-Gon I'd train him, so here we are. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, you do kind of see a little bit more in this comic of Obi-Wan uh, being a little more reflective about his role as a teacher and what Anakin needs as a student and how Anakin might have different needs than Obi-Wan because he's a different person with a different upbringing. right like okay so there are many many questions to be had about the jedi order but one of them should definitely be like um so so these jedi that you're sending out into the world with padawans do you give them any kind of like teaching certification do they learn about differentiation (laughs) like what if some of them are visual learners and some of them need everything written down like is any of this taught or is it all like let's meditate and learn how to use a lightsaber. It I definitely seems like an on-the-job, figure-it-out sort of thing. <laughs> it's like, congratulations, you're now in charge of a being that is still learning how to function as a person. Like, go for it. <laughs> yeah, you um, got the, the same basic thing in the, the, the book, uh, the Master and Apprentice book, where Qui-Gon is just sort of like, oh, 
boy, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> Qui-Gon, the crunchiest Jedi Master. Ah, uh, that, that beautiful hippie. We're, we're going to come back to him in a couple of weeks, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but it, I think it is interesting to... Okay, so I know I've talked about this on the show before, but we're going to go through this super briefly. I think it's important to acknowledge the uh, lineage of mm-hmm. Padawans and um, masters mm-hmm. that led us to the point that we are in the films, I guess. So you had... Ooh, um, Yoda trained Count Dooku, who trained Qui-Gon Jinn, who trained Obi-Wan Kenobi, who trained Anakin Skywalker, who trained Ahsoka. Um, And I think it's important to acknowledge that this was the line of teachers and students, because you can kind of see how each student is kind of rebelling against their teacher in their own way. And... Mm -hmm might be very similar because it's it's like the whole um I know I always bring up like the fraternity sorority family lines thing but I guess you could also make the analogy to like some of the problems in corporate America now where it's like people hire people who remind them of them so we end up with these homogenous situations um and I think it's similar in the Jedi order cuz you can kind of see this line of uh Probably the most neutral term I could use is rebellion in all of these, just presenting in different ways. Yeah, for sure. And some ways more positive than others. Oh, you don't say. Uh So so as you said earlier, this comic is interesting because it does explore the notion of Anakin being uncomfortable with the Jedi Order at a young age and being vocal about how uncomfortable he is about it. Yeah, and there's a there's a line that when Obi-Wan and Yoda are talking about this, Yoda makes a comment about how the Jedi aren't jailers. And I was kind of like, hmm, are, really? Are they okay. Are they not? I guess, I guess technically you're correct. Um, <laughs> because they're like, yeah, I mean, he can, he can leave if he wants to, but if he leaves, he can never come back and he's not allowed to have any more Jedi training. <laughs> but... Uh the part in this book that I thought was like props to Obi-Wan was when um, Anakin was exploring this idea towards the end of the book, Obi-Wan's like, well, if he leaves, I guess I'm going with him. Yeah. Which, which is uh, not quite a parallel. Let's say a, a dovetail to um, Kanan and Ezra on star Wars rebels where they're kind of like, like Kanan was never like a full Jedi, but he's like, well, I, I mean, I have some of the training and I guess I, I guess I better help you. And it's just yeah. like, Ooh, I might not be four... able to help you very well, but it'll be better than you being out there on your own. Exactly. So the idea that Obi-Wan was always gonna, was always like, even though he feels, and let, let's, let's be real, Obi-Wan, you feel burdened by having this Padawan that you never asked for. Like, he's still like, no, if he leaves, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go with him because somebody's got to watch him. And at least I have training. Yeah. And uh, I mean, now that we have a a slightly more expanded Star Wars universe through films like uh, Rogue One and um, 
the character of Maz Kanata in the new trilogy, you you do see that like Star Wars acknowledges that there are force sensitive beings who aren't necessarily Jedi or Sith. Mm-hmm. So there is like it would be possible for Anakin and Obi Wan to leave, and like the world wouldn't end. But we'll never know. So I guess that's irrelevant. Uh, but I, I could spend the rest of this episode talking about what if scenarios. If, oh, totally. If they had left. Um. So while reading this book, I did have a moment where I was like, "Should this book actually be called Palpatine and Anakin?" Because I thought that the scenes that showed Palpatine and Anakin in- interacting did an extremely good job of explaining their relationship. Because in the movies, mm-hmm. it, it's like you see them. There, there's just such a time jump between episodes one and two that you don't really see how Palpatine went from like, you know, sort of aware of Anakin's existence, but not really like intense about it to episode two where all of a sudden he's just like oh Anakin can hang out with me that's fine right no one thinks this is weird yeah no one thinks this is weird this is great it's normal and good that the supreme chancellor is this invested in this padawan right so uh I think that this comic shows us a little bit more of that interim time period where it's like ooh, Palpatine was really playing the long game with this Mm -hmm. and I hate to say it but you kind of see where he's coming from. Like he's horrible and evil and twisted and he's like, but you can kind of see how his whole like, well, things are bad and only you're like, he's his point of view is things are bad and only I can correct them. And I agree with the first part, but not with the second part, but you can (laughs) see why you can see why for Anakin as a young kid, who's questioning his place in the world, who grew up a slave, who knows how shitty everything can be would find that idea really appealing because Palpatine's saying to him, hey, things are shitty. I can change this. You can change this. And like being super early on planting that seed of telling Anakin that he is in control. Yeah, and really just sort of like, we're, we're seeing him set up the manipulative side of their relationship where Palpatine has this way of, of making Anakin think the things he's doing are his own idea. It's just, it's really diabolical. Would we call it a manipulative side of the relationship if the whole relationship is manipulative, <laughs> Brian? Fair point, Let's be real. fair point. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, it's just like, because he, he says like, hey, you see that senator gambling over there? That guy's a crook. And wouldn't it be, I just wish that, you know, his, his gambling would get the better of him. And that it's strongly implied, but not outright said, that Anakin used the force to manipulate the dice. And I can just see Palpatine being so thrilled that, like, oh, this kid is so easy to use. <laughs> oh, poor Anakin. Anakin Skywalker, user-friendly. <laughs> oh, my ew, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, I, wa- I want to talk about this comic also as as a comic book and not just as part of its place in the wider Star Wars universe. So... Uh, I mentioned on the regular I Read Comic Books podcast on our Book of the Month episode for November that this book really struck me in terms of the colors. And listeners of the show will know I I normally just focus on the words and then have to remind myself to look at the art, which I'm I'm working on it. I'm always working on it because I know the art takes forever to make. But uh, 
the the colors in this book really struck me because they do immediately tell us that we're on a planet that's not entirely inhabitable. Um, the flashback scenes are a totally different palette, so it's easy to jump between the two. And just this, I don't, I can't think of another book where I've quite seen this kind of vaguely creepy shade of green being so pervasive. Yeah, it gave the whole thing an almost poisonous feel. Like you're not supposed to like what's happening on any level. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, well, what did yeah, you think about the art in here, Brian? I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The use of color was very effective. And it was e- even an element in the story because I think they referred to it as the 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 Celadon Sea or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was the this the sea of this greenish blue mist that hangs over everything, and it <clears throat> it gave everything a very claustrophobic feeling, which I think did a, did a really, which does a really good job of sort of echoing the smothered feeling that Anakin has at this point in the story. Poor kid, he's just trying to find his way. He's doing his best. Aren't we all? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the the art style does a really good job of the characters looking like the characters, but not necessarily like the actors. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. they they don't look like somebody was tracing Ewan McGregor to draw Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, right. They, they captured the essence of what Obi-Wan looks like. And I think that was very well done. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is this one panel in this comic book where, so the, uh, the warring peoples on this planet that Anakin and Obi-Wan are on their mission have discovered that Anakin is like really, really good with machines and technology and stuff. And they are not. So they basically kidnap him and they're like, hey, um, so fix these war machines so we can finish this war. And Anakin is like conflicted, but he's also like, I can fix it. And I just feel like that one panel encapsulates everything that you need to know about Anakin's entire tragic story arc is he's just spent his entire life trying to fix things. And I'm not saying he's good at it. But that's his motivation, is I can fix it. He's a little confused, but he's got the spirit. <laughs> um, I also <laughs> want to I want to question the uh, the terrible Padawans that yeah. we see briefly in this book, because we see them only in the context of them making fun of Anakin for being a slave. Yeah. Like that was a choice. That was like, a whole thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're we're doing that. Also, you're like, aren't Jedi supposed to be above it all? And you're so I guess it just shows you that, you know, Jedi are people too. And Yeah. And And preteens I, are mean. <laughs> they're just the worst. Like they're just like, Well, you were a slave and I'm like, can you can you not? Like, wouldn't that be part of like training as a kid? Like, hey, Maybe like ex- there there are beings of all species who have the capacity to be Jedi. So you would think that every Padawan class would be full of people who are all different from one another, and you'd think yeah. that there would be some sort of 
mutual respect thing but but no you're right preteens just are the worst and so yeah. they're, they're just gonna go for the jugular even even space wizards can't teach don't be an asshole to 12 year olds <laughs> oh my god so uh do you think this book deepened your understanding of the dynamic between these two characters a, a bit, yeah. It definitely, like you were saying earlier, it, it shows the degree of devotion that Obi-Wan has to Anakin because the, the Jedi have been his entire life up until this point. And the the idea that even though you're right that he was teaching Anakin out of a sense of obligation at first, like he he feels so devoted to this kid that he's going to leave the the only group that ever accepted him or the only place he's ever had a home just to to keep an eye on this kid is it, it, it's 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 a a strength of the relationship that i didn't see before there were there were a few a few moments like that um in in this comic and then in another comic that we'll discuss in a couple weeks but uh there is you do get a sense from Anakin and sometimes from Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan struggles to trust Anakin with certain things and with bringing him on missions like this he sometimes hesitates but then there's also moments for example in this Obi-Wan and Anakin comic where uh, as I mentioned before Anakin is kidnapped by some of the people on this world and the other group of people that obi-wan are with at that time are like hey um so should we go after your kid or and obi-wan's like no he's fine he knows where we're supposed to meet and i'm like what yeah <laughs> so yeah, just that was like, really cool right like a throwaway line like that but it tells us in just one panel that obi-wan has complete confidence in anakin's ability to get out of a shitty situation by himself even though he's only like 12 or 13 which, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing we can say about Anakin, it's he can get himself out of out of a, a sticky situation. I mean, arguably into them also, Brian. <laughs> well, but... yeah, but <laughs> he was already kidnapped. I mean, he's not going to he's not going to make that much worse. Speaking of the what ifs, how could Anakin have made that much worse, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know. Oh. oh, the poor guy. He tries. He just wants to fix things. He just has a terrible terrible way of doing it yeah he, he's got the right he's got the right spirit but he does not have the instincts mm-hmm. and another part of this book i i do want to touch on is how um in so in the movies we since we're mostly seeing things through the perspective of the skywalker family line which are they're Jedi, they're force sensitive, so we hear a lot about Jedi on the force. But as this universe has re-expanded under Disney, we do see a lot more of people not aware of the force, or they think the Jedi are a myth, or even going back to the original trilogy where Han Solo is just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so you have to imagine in an entire galaxy there are going to be people who are not as intimately familiar with the Jedi concept as us, the viewers. And 
I thought that there was an interesting exploration of that in here where, first of all, the people on this beleaguered planet don't even know what the Jedi are. But then there is, uh, towards the end of the story, Obi-Wan discovers where this like distress signal has been coming from. And it's been coming from this warehouse that this woman has been collecting all this art and scavenging all these things from what the world was like before it was war-torn. And she's found like a holocron of what she thinks is a Jedi, like just, just murdering everyone. And uh, so she had called, reached out to the Jedi in the hopes that they would just kind of come here and just end the conflict through any means necessary. Yeah, wipe out both factions. Right. She's just like, well, why don't you just here and kill everyone? Because that's what you did in the holocron. And Obi-Wan's like, um, what now? And like, of course, it's, it was a Sith who was doing some fucked up shit. But like, just that, just seeing how easy it is to misinterpret something that you don't understand. It's like, you didn't have to go there, Charles Soule, who wrote this, but yeah. you did. And I appreciate it. So final thoughts about Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah, uh, this is a, a good book. Um, it's it's <laughs> good. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I enjoyed the Star Wars as well, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're interested in that sort of Padawan master dynamic, I think that this book does a good job of giving you a taste of that. Um, there are some nice echoes of the Master and Apprentice book, especially with how Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are both like, I am not a good teacher for this boy, <laughs> which <laughs> maybe means they're a good teacher. I don't know. Is Is it one of those things where, you know, if you're thinking you might be mad just proves you're, seeing, you're sane? kind of thing <laughs> it it just might be um i mean i guess i do ultimately have questions about um if if they ultimately did a good job but that's that's a debate for a, a deeper philosophical discussion <laughs> yeah you, you're not sure if uh if phoning the republic and telling them that there's valuable tabana gas on this planet was necessarily a good way to resolve the conflict uh we'll we'll call it uh, crafty and or creative <laughs> crafty i like obi-wan is crafty <laughs> but uh but again that just goes into the whole you know qui-gon kind of did what he like count dooku kind of went off and did what he wanted qui-gon kind of did what he wanted obi-wan is i think the most like you said, kind of straight man when it comes to the Jedi, but he is definitely willing to bend the rules to meet an end. And mm -hmm. I think it would be foolish to think that Anakin did not pick up on that. He learned from watching you, okay, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> like, we think it's Palpatine's fault, but ooh, Obi-Wan definitely did teach him to be a little uh, coloring outside the lines, you know? <laughs> My bad dad's coming to Disney Plus this November. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for joining us for episode one of I Read Star Wars Comic Books. And uh, you can catch us here next week with episode two, where we discuss the Alphabet Squadron and TIE Fighter 
parallel stories. This show was first aired on the IRCB Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Special thanks to all you wonderful supporters out there. Send us feedback about this show at ircbpodcast at gmail.com and check out our website, ircbpodcast.com for our Discord, zines, and all things IRCB. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ircbpodcast. This show is produced by Brian Murray and Kara Zamborski, edited by Xander Riggs, and executive produced by Mike Rabbit. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you.